Hello, and thank you for joining us for Fairies and Dragons, Ponies and Knights, Episode 9, The Raft. If this is your first time listening to Fairies and Dragons, Ponies and Knights, you might want to start listening at Episode 1 so that you can get the full story. My name is Marin Langdon Spillane, and today we are thrilled to welcome special guest artist from North Carolina, Chase Allen. Please check the show notes to find links to Chase's final illustration and his coloring page. We also want to share with you another great podcast from fellow Kids Listen member about mindfulness and positive thinking called Best Day Yet. Best Day Yet! Hi, I'm Marjorie, host of Best Day Yet, an affirmation podcast for kids. On Best Day Yet, we teach kids mindful breathing and positive self-talk skills in the most kid-friendly way possible. We take affirmation adventures all over the world and meet animals who teach us lessons about ourselves. Like the time we went to India and met a tiger who taught us, There is no one better to be than me. Or the time we went to the moon and met water bears, we learned, When things get hard, I don't back down. Or the time we walked through a spooky forest at night and found bats who showed us. I have nothing to be afraid of. Check out Best Day Yet wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll see you there. Quick warning. If you don't like spoilers, you may want to plug your ears for about 15 seconds. Okay, here we go. This episode might be a little scary for some listeners, but I want you to know that everything will be okay. But shh, don't tell. Some people like to be a little bit scared. Now, one thing that I love about stories that you listen to is that everyone imagines the story a little bit differently. So I encourage all of you listeners to grab your favorite supplies and draw, sculpt, paint, or create anything that you're inspired to while listening. Then you can share your creation with us during one of our live shows, post on social media, or email us at petrathedragon at gmail.com. And now let us begin Episode 9 of Fairies and Dragons, Ponies and Knights, The Raft. Previously on Fad Pack, Beatrice, a mother dragon, believes her egg has been stolen by the ponies and the fairies. She heads off to find her missing egg with her five children and two humans, Talora Shamsa, a knight in training, and Tom Thomas, a stable boy. Tom, Talora, and Smudge, the baby dragon, are setting up camp when Smudge is frightened by a kitten and runs into the woods. They find him, but not before a unicorn appears. As Tom and Talora watch in horror, the unicorn lowers its horn, points it at Smudge, and charges. Smudge, run! yelled Tom. The unicorn was charging Smudge at full speed, and he still hadn't seen it. Talora was panicking. Tom, what do we do? What do we do? Tom looked around as though he thought a solution would magically present itself. I don't know. I don't know what to do. Smudge, finally noticing the unicorn, stopped in his tracks and let out a frightened howl. He spun around and started running back the way he had come away from the unicorn, but Talora could see that even Smudge was no match for the unicorn's speed. Can you shoot it? Talora asked Tom frantically, even though she knew that was impossible. Tom started fumbling with his bow. I I, I don't know if I can shoot a unicorn. His hands were shaking, but before he could notch an arrow, they felt a great whoosh of air all around them, and a huge, dark shape flew above their heads, blotting out what little light was left in the sky. 
Beatrice roared as she swooped down to the earth. She landed between Smudge and the unicorn, blocking Smudge from Tom and Talora's view. Even in the dim light, the sight of Beatrice ready to attack was absolutely terrifying. The unicorn didn't slow or seemed at all afraid. It kept charging at full speed. For an instant, Beatrice seemed to swell in size, then her neck shot forward, and a blast of fire swarmed from her mouth and hit the unicorn dead on. Tom and Talora could feel the heat from where they stood. The light was blinding, and the whole mountainside lit up in an ominous orange glow. But the unicorn didn't stop. It kept charging right through the fire, as if it didn't even feel the heat. Beatrice clearly was not expecting to see the unicorn emerge from her flame unhurt and steadily approaching. It was almost upon her, its horn aimed directly at her heart. She only had time to shift her body slightly, turning her chest away from the attack, before the unicorn slammed into her. Talora gasped as she watched the long, glowing horn completely bury itself in Beatrice's shoulder. Beatrice screamed in pain. She reared back, raised her front leg, and swiped furiously at her attacker, her clawed foot connecting with the unicorn's side. The unicorn went flying through the air like it had been launched from a catapult, sailing over the nearby bushes and landing out of sight. Beatrice crashed to the ground and was still. Beatrice! Beatrice! Talora couldn't tell if she was whispering or yelling. Hot fury and terror were coursing through her body as she and Tom ran up the slope toward the dragon's still form. Suddenly, Tom split off and ran into the woods in the direction that Beatrice had hurled the unicorn. Tom, where are you going? Talora screamed. He didn't answer, and in a moment, he had disappeared into the trees. Talora kept running toward Beatrice. By the time she reached her, Beatrice had shifted her position so that she was curled around Smudge, who was shaking from fright. Beatrice's shoulder was bleeding badly, and when Talora knelt beside her, she could feel great shudders passing through her body. "'What can I do?' asked Talora. "'Where's Tom?' Beatrice responded. Her voice in Talora's head sounded faint and far away. "'I don't know. I think he ran after the unicorn.' "'Hmm,' replied Beatrice. "'I'll need your help to close the wound.' It's very deep. Go and find a stick that you can use as a torch. Dolores stumbled her way toward the woods, broke off a dead branch from the first tree she found, and made it back to Beatrice, who was making deep coughing sounds. With one final heave, Beatrice spat a huge glob of something slimy onto the ground. Smear some of that over the stick, then hold it out for me. Without hesitating, Dolores stuck her hand into the pale, gelatinous goop and did as she had been instructed. Beatrice blew a tiny flame onto the end of the stick. The slimy stuff ignited instantly and then burned softly without being consumed. "'That should last you a little while,' she said. "'Now smear the rest of it over my wound.' Dolores scraped up what was left of the slime and cupped it in her hands. "'What is it?' she asked. "'Think of it as a kind of fuel,' said Beatrice. "'It coats the inside of our lungs and throat. "'It is where our fire comes from.' Talora reached up to Beatrice's wound and started smearing the goop all over it. Talora had never touched Beatrice like this, and was surprised at how hot she felt, hotter even than smudge when they slept curled together at night. Her wound was ugly-looking, ringed with dark red and slightly glowing at the center. Good, said Beatrice, when Talora had finished. Now take the torch and touch the flame to the wound. Talora looked at her. Do it. I'll be fine. Talora reached up and gently touched the flame to Beatrice's wound. 
The scales ignited immediately, burning softly. There was a sizzling sound and the smell of burning flesh. Beatrice's muscles tightened and she let out a long, low growl. "'Does it hurt?' asked Talora, knowing it did and wishing she could make it stop. Beatrice didn't respond. Her eyes were shut and she was breathing deeply. Talora looked at the wound. It was turning black and charred, but the bleeding had slowed to a trickle. A minute more and the bleeding stopped completely. "'Yes, it hurts,' said Beatrice." Hey parents! Yeah, you! Are you looking for a podcast your kids will really love? Well, we made one just for you. And for us. As genuine, all-natural kids ourselves, we know what makes a fun and interesting podcast. So we decided to make it ourselves. Every show is packed with interviews, stories, and on-the-ground reporting. We have interviewed everyone from scientists to Grammy Award-winning musicians to NFL quarterbacks. Listen to Wild Interest wherever you get your podcasts. How did this happen? It was an accident. I'm so sorry. Tom, he... He had a kitten in his pack from the Dragon Games. It got out and it scared Smudge, so Smudge ran into the woods. We had just found him a minute before you came, but the unicorn... Yes, I was close already, looking for you. And then I heard the whistle. We need to get back to the road and to the others. It's too dangerous up here. Smudge, up. Climb onto my back. Are you sure? asked Talora. Can you carry him? I can carry you both. We're not far. We should fly. You can leave the torch. Talora stamped the torch out on the ground. Now it was truly dark. She made her way to Beatrice's other side and climbed carefully onto her back. Compared to Petra, Beatrice felt huge, her muscles dense and hard beneath Talora's legs. Smudge! Up! said Beatrice again. Smudge, still trembling, scrambled onto Beatrice's back behind Talora. Wait! said to Laura. She squinted into the darkness around them, took a deep breath, then yelled, Tom? Tom? There was no answer. Tom! We can't wait for him, said Beatrice. He'll have to find his way back on his own. Okay, whispered to Laura. Hold on, said Beatrice. She struggled to push herself into a sitting position with only her left front leg. Here we go. Talora leaned forward and extended her arms along Beatrice's neck, which was far too thick for her to encircle completely. Beatrice's wings opened, then she leapt into the air with her powerful hind legs, pumped her wings hard, and lifted them into the dark night sky. Despite how awful she was feeling, Talora couldn't ignore the thrill of flying again. And at night, with the stars out, it felt like she was flying right through space. The whole world was cast in a dim, ghostly light from the slender crescent moon and the sprinkling of stars. It was gorgeous. Beatrice's body felt strong beneath Talora. Her wings pumped smoothly, and she let herself feel relief. If Beatrice could fly like this, she would be all right. It was a short flight. They hadn't traveled as deeply into the woods as it had seemed. Talora could make out the curve of the river up ahead. Then she saw their camp. As they descended, Talora noticed the dark shapes of Azrael, Petra, Lyle, and Edwin on the ground below. They all looked up when they saw Beatrice coming. "'Yay, you found them!' Edwin cried out as they landed. "'Hey, where's Tom?' "'Mom, are you okay?' asked Petra, noticing the expression on Beatrice's face as Smudge and Talora climbed down. "'Mom, what happened?' Azrael was staring at his mother's shoulder. 
Talora and Smudge slid off of Beatrice's back as Beatrice responded. There was an accident. Talora will fill you in later, but there's no time right now. Azriel, do you know how to find the plant called Dragon's Tooth? Yeah, Mom, if it's flowering, it's super easy to find. If not, it can be harder, but I, I think I can identify it by the- Good, interrupted Beatrice. Take Lyle and Edwin. They need to know where to find it, too. And come back with as much as you can carry. Okay. Mom? What did this to you? Go, Azriel. Azriel nodded to Lyle and Edwin, and the three of them headed into the brush. Beatrice turned to Talora and Petra. Talora, please take your pot down to the river, fill it with water, and bring it to a boil when you return. Petra, you stay and start a fire. I need to speak with you. Talora ran to fetch her pot, then made her way down the rocky hill to the river, wondering what Beatrice was telling Petra. Her mind was racing. She couldn't stop replaying the horrors of the last few hours in her head again and again and again. The look on Smudge's face when he saw the unicorn and ran, the roar of pain as Beatrice was stabbed, all the blood, and then the flame that had sealed her wound. Tears splashed down her face and hit the full pot of water with soft plinks. If only Tom had never brought that kitten. If only she hadn't followed him into the woods. Talora wiped her nose on her sleeve, lifted the pot, and headed back up the hill. When she got back, all the dragons were there. A fire was burning, and Beatrice was eating a pile of plants with slender yellow-green leaves. When Beatrice saw Talora, she began to issue instructions. Talora, please put the rest of this dragon's tooth in the pot as soon as the water boils. I'll need to drink it in the morning. Then you'll need to make more, as much as we can carry. Tonight, eat as much as you can. I must rest now. Talora can tell you what happened, and then you should all get some sleep. Beatrice paused and looked into her draggling's faces. I love you all, with all of my heart. With that, Beatrice limped a short distance away from the fire near a pile of elk. Smudge followed her. She tore into an elk, sharing it with Smudge, who ate hungrily. Beatrice seemed to be forcing herself to eat. They all watched her silently for a moment before turning to Talora. The draglings were wide-eyed and worried. Petra kept glancing back toward Beatrice and Smudge. Talora, what happened? asked Azrael softly. Talora told them the whole story. She had never seen any of them so quiet before. When she was finished, Azrael was the first to speak. All because of a little kitten. And Lyle shouted, I'm going to eat that kitten! Edwin turned on Lyle. Then I'm going to eat you! Don't you dare touch that kitten! That was Tom's kitten! With that, Edwin took off into the woods. Lyle was almost in tears. I wasn't really going to eat that kitten, you know. I didn't mean that. I was just saying it, because I would never eat Tom's kitten. Is Tom coming back? Talora tried to sound comforting. I'm sure he will, but he can't in the dark. We'll have to look for him in the morning. I will. Okay, I will. I'm going to look for Tom in the morning first thing. He looked around defiantly as if to challenge anyone who might tell him not to, but no one did. Finally, Petra spoke. Her voice was calm and gentle. In fact, Talora thought she sounded a lot like her mother. Okay, everyone. You heard Mom. Eat. And then go to bed. She turned away and walked to her elk, which lay near the fire. Lyle and Azriel dragged their elk so they could be near to her. Edwin returned with Tom's pack in her mouth. She dropped it at Talora's feet. Will you open this for me? Wow, how did you find this so fast? Talora asked as she bent down to undo the straps. Humans leave really obvious trails, and I heard it mewing. Talora opened the pack, and Edwin peered inside. 
Hi, little kitten. Don't be scared. Mommy's here now. The kitten mewed pathetically. Oh, you're hungry, aren't you? The small creature's eyes were huge as it looked back and forth between Edwin and Talora. Edwin placed her front foot gently into the pack. It's okay, little kitten. Furball. Tom named it Furball. Oh, Furball, what a nice name. Do kittens like elk? Edwin looked over at Talora anxiously. Yes, I'm sure they do, Talora replied. Okay, good. Come on then, you little fluffy fluffernutter. Let's get some elky treats for you, cooed Edwin. The kitten put out a paw and touched Edwin's clawed foot. Then it poked its head out of the pack and looked around. It seemed suspicious of Talora, but after a moment happily climbed right onto Edwin's arm, up her neck, and finally perched on top of her head. <laughs> that tickles, exclaimed Edwin. She went off to grab her elk, dragging it near to the others. As soon as she stopped moving, Furball jumped down and started biting at the elk ravenously. Talora saw a remaining elk near the fire. That must be for her and Tom. She took her knife and carefully cut off as much meat as she could eat now and as much as she could carry in her pack for later and cooked it on the fire. She was starving, but eating was hard. She felt sick to her stomach when she thought of Beatrice and Tom. Why had he run off? What was he doing right now? By the time she was finished eating, everyone was asleep. Since Smudge was sleeping with Beatrice and Talora didn't want to disturb them, she grabbed her cloak and went to lie down near Petra. Her mind was racing. Ever since she had met the dragons, everything had been an exciting adventure. But nothing felt exciting right now. And if this was adventure, Talora didn't want it. Psst, Talora, whispered Petra. Are you awake? Yeah. Me too. After a long pause, Talora asked, What did your mom say? Another pause, longer. Finally, Petra responded, She said she won't wake up in the morning. What? asked Talora, sitting up. She said she won't be dead, but she won't wake up. She said she could feel some kind of poison or magic spreading through her from her shoulder. The dragon's tooth will slow it down, put her in a deep sleep, almost like a hibernation. Sleeping like that will give her a few extra days, she said. Talora interrupted. A few extra days? What can we do? How do, how do we help her? We have to find the ponies, Talora, quickly. Mom says they have magic that might save her life. Talora felt dizzy. I don't understand. I know it's a bad wound, but she's so big, and it was just in her shoulder. Petra shook her head. Wounds made by unicorns are really serious. They are very powerful and magical. They can easily destroy much larger creatures. Talora's head was spinning. Okay, so we have to get her to the ponies then. How are we going to move her? She said you would think of something. You will, won't you? Talora stared into Petra's eyes. It was her job to think of something? Petra was so calm. She seemed to be handling this far better than Talora was. Did she say anything else? Any other tips? Not really, replied Petra. She said I was in charge. Of the dragons. Anyway, I guess you can do what you want. She paused for a minute. You'll think of something, right? Something about Beatrice's confidence that Talora could solve this gave her some strength, and Petra's calm resolve was helping to soothe her nerves. Yes, I'll think of something. Petra nodded. Good. We should try to sleep. You can lie against my side, if you want, like you do a smudge. If you're cold. Okay, thanks. Talora scooted closer to Petra and curled herself along the length of Petra's smooth, warm side. She immediately felt better. 
the two of them together could handle this. Talora, asked Petra, do you have a nickname that your friends call you? Like, Laura, maybe? I keep forgetting to ask. Somehow the surprise of this question broke through Talora's misery and anxiety, almost making her laugh. She considered... Why do kids bully other kids? Why does my friend lie to me? What do you do if your friends say you're bossy? How can I make a best friend? Friendships can be complicated. I'm psychologist and author Dr. Eileen Kennedy Moore, host of the Kids Ask Dr. Friendtastic podcast. Each weekly five-minute episode features a question from a kid about friendship, plus a practical and thought-provoking answer. Tune in to learn how you can build strong and caring friendships. Kids Ask Dr. Friendtastic is available wherever you get podcasts. No, I think I like Talora best. Thanks for asking. They didn't speak anymore, but Talora couldn't sleep. She had to think. She had to think about how to transport Beatrice if she was unconscious. It was impossible, surely. As she puzzled over it, though, a plan slowly began to form. It seemed ridiculous, but she didn't have anything else. She would share it with the draglings in the morning and see what they thought. Before she knew it, the sky was turning a muddy blue. Petra stood up and stretched, looking anxiously toward her mother. "'Did you sleep?' Talora asked. "'No. Did you?' "'No, I couldn't. I think I have a plan, though.' "'Okay, good,' said Petra, unsurprised. "'We need to wake everyone up. We can't waste any time.' Petra started nudging the other dragons. They all slowly woke up, shook their sleep off, and regarded Petra with a bit of confusion. Furball, who had been curled between Edwin's front feet, trotted over and started picking meat off of the leftover elk. Beatrice and Smudge were still asleep. "'How come you're waking us up so early?' asked Lyle. "'I need to talk to you,' said Petra. "'What's wrong?' asked Azrael. "'Mom didn't tell you guys this last night because she wanted you to sleep, but she's not going to wake up this morning.' She's not dead, but her unicorn wound has some kind of poison in it that will kill her if we don't get her to the ponies in time. That dragon's tooth she ate will help slow the poison down, but it's also going to knock her out. She put me in charge, and Talora has a plan. Also, don't wake up Smudge. He's going to lose it. Also, no one else lose it. We have work to do. Talora winced. Petra was not one for softening the blow. Lyle, Edwin, and Azrael stared at their sister, dumbfounded. They all looked over at Beatrice. Her chest was moving up and down with her breathing. Thankfully, Petra's blunt attitude had the desired effect on the other dragons. They didn't lose it. Azriel looked at Talora. Okay, Talora, what's the plan? All of the draglings turned to look at her, so much trust in their eyes that Talora felt a surge of love, followed by a surge of fear, followed by a surge of confidence. She could do this. She must do this. Can you guys knock down trees? Azriel looked at the others, then said, I think so. We can try. How many do you need? We need a lot. As many as it takes to fit your mom onto. We're going to build a sled. Or a raft. Well, it'll be a sled, then a raft. You'll see. The dragons didn't seem to think this was a strange plan at all. They immediately got to work. After some trial and error, Azriel developed a good strategy. He and Petra blazed the trunks at the base of the tree while Edwin and Lyle sat in the branches up top, rocking the tree back and forth. They lit the whole tree on fire a few times, but they eventually got it right. After the first tree crashed successfully down, they all cheered. 
The crash and the cheering woke up Smudge. He uncoiled himself from Beatrice and groggily teetered over to the other dragons. This was a perfect distraction for Smudge. He thought it was a terrific game and tried to help by blowing his smoke at the trunks and ramming the trees repeatedly. When they had felled twelve trees, Talora eyed them thoughtfully and decided they had enough. They walked back to camp to eat more before the next phase of the plan. Smudge noticed that Beatrice was still asleep and scampered over to her. Petra whispered to the others, Get ready. Smudge nudged Beatrice vigorously. She didn't move. He started swiping at her nose with his claws, looking confused. He stared at her for a long moment, then turned and looked at his siblings who were watching him with their breath held. Then, somehow, full understanding reached Smudge. His grief was instant and complete. He let out a long, loud groan and melted directly into the ground, coiling into the tiniest ball he could manage. This reaction seemed to pierce the hearts of his siblings, breaking their own resistance to the grief and worry they were all feeling. Edwin broke into a sob and ran towards Smudge, calling, "'It's okay, Smudgy! It's gonna be okay!' Then they all found themselves running to Smudge, nuzzling him and nuzzling each other, all sobbing uncontrollably. Talora stood nearby, tears pouring down her cheeks, watching the grieving draglings. Finally, Petra pulled herself away. "'Enough, everyone! Enough!' She crouched low so that she was eye to eye with her youngest brother. Smudge, listen to me. Mom will be okay. But she's sick and she needs our help. In fact, I know how you can help Mom right now. Do you want to? Petra waited a moment, but there was no response from Smudge. Do you want to help Mom, Smudge? There's something you can do better than anyone. Smudge turned his head away from Petra, and the blank look on his face scared Talora. She could tell Petra was scared too, but she continued bravely. Do you remember the baby bird game, Smudgy? Smudge lifted his eyes to Petra's and nodded slowly. Good. Well, Mom needs to take some medicine, so this time she's the baby bird. Do you think you could be the mommy bird, Smudgy? He nodded again. Petra looked at Talora, who understood. She ran to grab the pot of dragon's tooth, which had steeped in the water all night. She scooped out the soggy plants, leaving just the potent smelling water. When she returned, Petra continued. Okay, Smudgy, we're ready. Here's the medicine. You need to put it in your mouth. Don't swallow it. Then you need to mommy bird it to mom. Okay? Are you ready? Smudge nodded, his eyes looking brighter now. Asriel broke in softly. Petra, are you sure he can do this? What if he swallows it? Petra, not taking her eyes off of Smudge, shook her head. He's got this, Asriel. He can do it. Petra carefully held up the pot to Smudge's mouth and fully committed to the game. Oh, mommy bird, mommy bird, come quick. Baby bird needs her medicine. Oh, look, Mommy Bird knows just what to do. First, Mommy Bird slurps up the medicine, careful not to spill a drop. Smudge slurped up the dragon tooth tea and held it in his mouth, watching Petra intently. Now, Mommy Bird will carefully give the medicine to her baby. Oh, no, Baby Bird is so sleepy she can't even open her mouth. Mommy Bird needs help from her brother and sister birds. Petra looked fiercely at the other dragons and Talora, who were all mesmerized by this game and how well it was working on Smudge. They quickly understood and jumped into action. Asriel grabbed onto two of Beatrice's top teeth and pushed up as hard as he could. Petra quickly helped him so that Beatrice's mouth hung open. Lyle and Edwin crouched down and let Smudge climb on top of them. Talora pulled down on Beatrice's lower jaw to open it as wide as possible. "'Okay, Mommy Bird,' Petra said. "'Your baby is ready. You can give her her medicine now.' 
Smudge, his cheeks bulging, stuck his whole head in Beatrice's open mouth. He carefully released the liquid, then hopped out, and Talora pushed up on Beatrice's bottom jaw, wedging her shoulder against its huge weight. Petra and Azriel lifted as high as they could. They all watched anxiously until they saw Beatrice's throat make some swallowing movements. They'd done it. Oh, what a good mommy bird! She knows just how to take care of her baby! Petra and Azriel lowered Beatrice's head down. Okay, mommy bird, you have a new job. Your new job is to guard your baby bird, okay? The rest of us birds have work to do and we can't watch her. Can you do this for us? Smudge nodded yes, looking much more cheerful, and curled up next to Beatrice to show he understood. Petra turned and looked at everyone else. Okay, let's move, she said quietly. What's next? Talora glanced around the clearing at the twelve huge trees scattered messily around. Get all of these trees lined up, side by side, okay? Petra nodded and the four draglings got to work. Talora ran to her pack to fetch the rope that Captain Lee had given her, whispering fiercely, Oh, sun and stars, please let this work, please let this work, please let this work. Once the trees were assembled in a line, Talora was pleased to see that they would certainly be wide and long enough to hold Beatrice, now to get them fastened together. She unwound Captain Lee's rope, noting gratefully that it was much longer than she'd thought. She wound it over and under each trunk, lashing them together. She'd have to cross her fingers that Lee was right about this rope being stronger than most. It had to hold. Carefully, they nudged the sled as close to Beatrice as they could, and attempted to move her up and onto it. Finally, with much tugging, pulling, and flapping from everyone, they slowly rolled Beatrice onto the sled and carefully settled her in a way that didn't look too uncomfortable. Talora, breathing heavily, grinned at the dragons. Despite her fear and exhaustion, she was beginning to feel more confident. Okay, everyone, she said. Eat up and pack up. We have to get going. Lyle and Edwin, we'll need your help getting your mom down to the river. Then you two need to go and find the ponies. Knight Morgan said that the grasslands of Shazborough began where the Crystal River leaves the mountains. Fly and follow the river. Once you get to the grasslands, keep your eyes out for any sign of the herd. Azrael, Petra, and Smudge, the four of us will float this raft all the way down the river, out of the mountains, into the grasslands. Once we're there, we'll pull out and set up camp. Lyle and Edwin, that's where we'll meet you. Any questions? What about Tom? asked Edwin. Talora frowned. She'd been certain that Tom would appear at some point this morning and had tried not to think about what would happen if he didn't. Now she had to face it. Tom ran into the woods for a reason. We have to trust that he knows what he's doing. We don't have time to wait for him or to look for him. But he knows where we're going and he knows how to get back to Durga. He'll be fine. Edwin hung her head but didn't protest. Okay, Talora said, trying to sound cheerful. Let's go. While the dragons ate the last of the elk, Talora packed up both hers and Tom's packs. She thought about leaving Tom's pack for him in case he returned, but she would need his supplies. She settled on leaving some essentials under a rock where his pack had been. Where was Furball? She'd need to get him back in Tom's pack as well. To her surprise, she found him sleeping on top of Beatrice. She coaxed him down and packed him up. Getting the sled down the hill to the river was harder than Talora had anticipated, and it took all five draglings and Talora to maneuver the giant sled around rocks and trees while keeping it steady. About halfway to the river, Edwin started singing, We're gonna save our mom, we're gonna save our mom, we're gonna save our mom today, we're gonna save our mom, we're gonna save our mom, we're gonna save our mom, hooray, no one told her to stop. In fact, after a few rounds, they all started singing with her. We're gonna save our mom. We're gonna save our mom. We're gonna save our mom today. We're gonna save our mom. We're gonna save our mom. We're gonna save our mom. Hooray! It seemed to make the struggle with the raft easier, and before they knew it, they'd reached the water. Captain Lee's rope had held. 
They pushed the raft slowly into the water, past the shallows, and out into the deeper middle. It floated, and everyone cheered. Petra looked at Edwin and Lyle. You know what to do? They both nodded solemnly. Okay, go find those ponies. We'll meet you in the grasslands. Lyle rushed to Petra and wrapped his neck around hers in a kind of dragon hug. Then Edwin joined, and Asriel. Smudge rushed forward and butted his way into the center of his siblings. Petra looked at Talora, and Talora joined in too, wrapping her arms up and around Lyle and Azrael's necks and pressing her cheek against Edwin's smooth shoulder. They stayed there for a moment, silently intertwined, before Petra broke the spell. Okay, time to save Mom. Edwin and Lyle turned around, leapt into the air, and flew away. Smudge and Talora waded out into the river and climbed onto the raft with Beatrice while Petra and Azrael flew overhead. Talora settled Tom's pack upright against Beatrice's side and checked on Furball, who was curled on top, now staring wide-eyed around him. The plan was working. Talora felt dizzy. She couldn't tell if it was from lack of sleep or a strange sense of exhilaration or both. They still had a long way to go, but Talora knew they were going to save Beatrice. They had to. Hello again. If you'd like to know what happens next, please tune in for episode 10, Ponies and Waterfalls, with special guest artist from Texas, Aaron Davis. We'd love to see you at the live show on Zoom, or you can listen to the podcast one week later. If you are enjoying Fad Pack, then there are a few simple and fun ways to support the show. You can leave us a rating or write a review on iTunes. This is a great way to help others find the show, and it really means a lot to us. You can also shop from our online store at dirtroadtheater.com shop. Our store has stickers, t-shirts, hats, mugs, even my personal favorites, a fad pack fanny pack and a fad pack backpack, all featuring the work from our special guest artists. Or you can buy a ticket to one of our live Zoom shows where you'll be the first to hear the new episodes and you can share your drawings or thoughts about the show and chat with other listeners. For tickets to the live show, please visit dirtroadtheater.com slash fadpack. And now we'd like to share some moments from our live show. I see we have we have Chase here with us. Chase is the illustrator for this episode. Have you drawn a unicorn before? I don't think so. Wow. We got your first unicorn. That's pretty Probably not in a while. That was a pretty good unicorn drawing, I have to say. What do you usually like to draw? I like drawing faces and things that involve a lot of like movement. And this involved a lot of movement. So that's another reason I liked it. It was so cool watching that illustration come together. Can you tell us anything about how long that actually took and what tools you were using? Uh, I did it off and on. I kind of like did a bunch of screen recordings and then like, like edited them together. It wasn't all like sitting down at all at once, but I think it was like six or seven hours total. And I did it um, digitally using a program called Krita and um, using a drawing tablet that I just plugged into my computer. If, does anyone have any artwork that they would like to share that they did today during this episode? It's like a gigantic snake. I got the idea from a giant snake that lived along with the dinosaurs. And it is a dinosaur and it's called a Titanoboa. Oh, Cora. Oh, oh, wow. Is that Talora and Smudge riding on Beatrice? I love it. 
Oh, wow. That's so great. I that love is, it. It's nice. really cool, Cora. That's nice. A show that I watched, there was this butterfly called a something semi-butterfly. It kind of paralyzed you if you looked at it and you were scared. But if you weren't scared, it wouldn't paralyze you. And so I kind of drew this butterfly in thought of the semi-butterfly. I, it took me a while to decide and I had to do a couple of drawings, but in the end I ended up drawing them all around Smudge. Oh, oh. that's really cute. That's nice. <laughs> yeah, I really like that moment. Did it surprise anyone what happened? And do you have any ideas of what's going to happen next? It surprised me a lot. I thought that Smudge was just going to fly away. So they're getting close to meeting the ponies. And I'm kind of curious how everybody, does anybody have any guesses as to what the ponies are going to be like? I, I have an idea. Oh, yeah. Let's hear it. I think they're going to be like kind of mean and kind of like nervous and anxious at first, but mm -hmm. then they'll get used to them. They'll probably eat ponies. Like they can eat out. They can probably eat ponies. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah, I agree with you, Ryan. Yeah. If they eat elk, they'll eat ponies. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Have a great evening. And that's it for episode nine. If you have any questions, comments, or artwork that you'd like to share with us, please email PetraTheDragon at gmail.com. Petra handles all of our communication, and she has promised not to catch anything on fire. Also, she loves your artwork. Fairies and Dragons, Ponies and Knights is a proud member of Kids Listen, a grassroots organization of advocates for high-quality audio content for kids. You can find more great podcasts at kidslisten.org or download the app. If you'd like a full transcript of any of our episodes to read along or to read on your own, you can find a link at the bottom of the show notes. Fairies and Dragons, Ponies and Knights is made and recorded by Dirt Road Theatre in Northfield, Vermont. Our guest artist for Episode 9 was Chase Allen. You can find links to more of his work in our show notes. Fad Pack was written and created by Dominic Gracelin and Oliver Spillane and edited and performed by myself, Marin Langdon Spillane. The music you heard was composed by the amazing Nathan Lee. You can see more of his work at nathanlee.net. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you can join us next time.